Hello, nerds, and welcome back to Batman University, a podcast that usually releases during the summer, and I must just be very confused about what time it is. No, it's it's a special winter break edition of the Batman University podcast, where we will be talking about the television show Gotham. Uh, this is not Gotham University, which I believe is a university in uh, the Batman universe. This is Batman University, a podcast about the Batman universe. And joining me are two uh, returning Batman scholars. Uh, first, uh, from the faraway land of Scotland, uh, James Thompson. Uh, a, a pleasure to be here again. Um, I was just thinking we could all go insane with just one bad podcast. Indeed. We're just one bad podcast away from it. Not even a full podcast, really. Like five minutes will do a lot of people. <laughs> and also also joining me, a, re- a returning scholar, uh, Nathan Alderman. Welcome, Nathan. Hi, I just I'm finally glad that we have a television show that talks about the important topics like all the problems you can solve with a bazooka. Indeed. So uh, we're gonna let's start off with we'll we'll avoid uh, spoilers for a little bit for anyone who wants to hear us talk about Gotham for a little bit, and then we're gonna dive pretty probably into some details, and you're gonna hear some spoilers, but we'll give you a warning uh, before that happens. So uh, Gotham has has been around for a while. Uh, this show came, uh, debuted back in 2014, and I will say that my initial thoughts on this show I I'm kind of a curmudgeon about a lot of shows. Uh, I'm I'm of the like. Why does that need to exist? This makes me angry. I don't want this. And also, I'm probably going to watch this and be unhappy about it. And I was very much uh, of that frame of mind around Gotham. Um, you know, the, the the kind of, I think the way it was kind of originally billed was like an origin story for a lot of stuff, which, uh, let me tell you, origin stories are an aspect of the superhero uh, storytelling format that I find tedious. So the idea that you would devote an entire TV series to kind of origin stories be it of Batman or Batman's Rogues Gallery, did not appeal to me. Uh, some of the early stuff that they uh, they talked about also was just very like, uh, why why would you do that? Like there was, I think there was at least one article where there was a commitment to the Joker's not going to be in this, but we promise every episode will have an appearance uh, or an Easter egg of somebody who could be the Joker. They did not fulfill that ridiculous <laughs> promise, thankfully. Um, but I'll, but but I would say I, w- I was kind of apprehensive about a show that uh, I think was affectionately or maybe uh, disparagingly uh, nicknamed by several people on the internet, uh, Batman Without Batman, in the style of the uh, comic strip experiment surrealist art, uh, uh, Garfield Without Garfield, which is a Garfield comic strip where Garfield is, is removed such that uh, John Arbuckle just appears to be descending into madness. So how do you do a Batman series without Batman? And indeed, why would you do a Batman series without Batman? So that was where I was kind of starting off from, which was not a very positive place. But spoiler, uh, this show really grew on me. And it's it's delightfully wacky. And we'll talk about uh, some of our favorite aspects of the delightful wackiness uh, later. But uh, Nathan, where did you start? So, yeah, um, Gotham is it started out as a fundamentally stupid show premise wise, and then it got even more stupid premise wise. And bear in mind, I say this as someone who loves this show. Uh, It started out as Batman without. Well, no, it started out as as an origin story for Commissioner Gordon. Um, which no one cares where Commissioner Gordon came from. He's not really, I mean, even in Frank Miller's year one, he gets a little characterization, but that's not the most interesting part of the story. No one really cares about Commissioner Gordon. He is a comforting father. Yes, let us let us explore the uh, the deep backstory of career bureaucrats. Um, so, 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's just a comforting presence with glasses and sometimes a pipe until he had a heart attack and quit smoking. And uh, and he's there to tell Batman what's going on and to sort of have this like paternal relationship with Batman that's nice, but you don't really care where he came from. And then from there, it, it got more and more insane until the point where it really is Batman without Batman. You now have all of the the... In the entire Batman rogues gallery, the Joker, the Penguin, the Riddler, uh, I think maybe Killer Croc is missing, but but that's about it. And yet they are all not at war with a muscular costume vigilante with an array of gadgets, but no, they're at war with a cop and a 10-year-old boy for some – no, sorry, 15-year-old boy for some reason, as if that makes it any better. So it's completely ridiculous. At this point, there's no reason for Batman not to be in the show except that the actor playing Batman is about 15. Um and yet, this show triumphs because it cares so much about its characters. And then once it has established that, that, that it really loves and it cares about all these weird, demented, messed up characters, it is free to go as insane as it possibly can. And boy, howdy, can this show go insane. Yeah, I mean, when this show was first announced, I thought it sounded awful. I mean, like, teen versions of Batman characters, but not Batman. And I was imagining some kind of CW youth drama show where they were all at school together. And, you know, sort of Batman babies, basically. <laughs> And it just seemed like the absolutely not what was wanted. And when I first watched it, I really didn't like it either. Um, I gave up on it. I like stopped after, I don't know, three or four episodes. And I was like, no, nah, this is not for me. And a friend of mine kept watching it. And I was convinced to give it another go. And I'm glad that I did, because right now it's probably my favorite DC television show by a great uh, margin, uh, followed possibly only by Legends of Tomorrow. What, what a world we live in, where these are words that someone would say, and I'm just nodding my head instead of like throwing something at them. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's like both of those. Well, I mean, I think Legends started a lot worse, in fact, but mm -hmm. yeah, uh, it, it, it improved the most. But but this also, I mean, it's like the first season. I mean, not to get too much into uh, plot stuff, but it, it's like you know the 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 home life of Commissioner Gordon is is something even less that I think people were interested in. And it's like. Oh, so you're in you're in a, a relationship, and you know, don't particularly like this Barbara character, but we'll see what happens with her. Um, and yeah, it just it's it's kind of it took it a while, and there's a particular moment which I'll come back to when we're talking spoilers. Oh, good. I I was not sure what the moment was, uh, but yes, the first uh, the first season or so of it is it's just it's very kind of winky at the camera thinks it's more clever than it is like there's there's all these characters that are you know i don't know the choice they so uh edward nigma starts off as like a csi it guy in the uh in the gotham city pd and he's in many episodes and he's just he's not enjoyable early on and he's just he might as well just be saying riddle me this but every time <laughs> and with every line of dialogue it's very kind of cringy and there's there's a lot of that with other characters where it's like we we know who this is you're not you're not being clever um and it it kind of has to muddle through that uh for quite a while before it it, it finds its its footing um 
it, and it's unfortunate. Um, so yeah, so I guess my my advice, if you're listening and have not uh, watched Gotham, is per- either uh, know that it gets better if you want to start from the beginning and power through, or maybe there's a place that you could jump in at. Uh, I'm not sure where that would be. Uh, uh, James or Nathan, do you have thoughts on on where that is? Um, I, well, I think the 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 episode that I'm going to mention is the Blind Fortune Teller, mm-hmm. which for me is there's a moment which we will come to, uh, where I was like, okay, I am on board with the show, um, but I kind of think you need to watch the first season. It's not that bad. I mean, it's not Legends of Tomorrow season one bad. It's it's not great. But I think it helps to get the sort of to see where it starts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably some episodes you could skip, but um, we have not sat down and worked out what the, <laughs> we uh, done the canonical yet. order is. Yes, so I'll admit I, I have I, you know I've watched every episode. I have not gone back and done a thorough rewatch of, of Gotham. Uh, I probably will after the series concludes. Um, but yeah, you know, I was looking. So you mentioned the Blind Fortune Taylor, which is episode sixteen. Uh, I think episode seventeen, which is right after that, kind of sticks in my head. So that might be kind of a uh, a turning point. That's a lot of uh, TV to watch before. <laughs> like, yeah, just just stick with it. Watch like like fourteen hours of TV. You'll be okay. Then it gets good. Uh, it feels like we're talking about one of those video games where it's like, yeah, after after hour eighty, it really picks up, and it's like, what now? Um, <laughs> um, who has time for that? Uh, young people. Uh, Nathan, th- thoughts on? Uh, <laughs> advice for people starting out with Gotham before we jump into spoilers? Weirdly, I was going to say the same thing. The blind fortune teller uh, is when Marina Bacharin really comes into the ensemble of the show as, as Dr. Leslie Lee Tompkins. And boy, if you think you know about Leslie Tompkins from the comics, Gotham has a lot of surprises mm. for you. But uh, but yeah, it's got such a charming Nick and Nora Charles uh, aspect to it as, as Lee and Gordon kind of go on a date to solve a mystery at the circus. And, uh, and yeah, that's about the point where things start to come together. Um, but yeah, for the most part, for those first 15 episodes, Jada Pinkett Smith is trying to carry the entire season on her back. And she pretty much succeeds because she's crazy and wonderful. There's a scene in the pilot where she pauses beating someone with a chair to adjust what you had not previously realized was her wig. Mm-hmm. And you kind of fall in love with her. And she overstays her welcome eventually. And the show kind of shuffles her on. But But for that first season, man, she is a highlight. Yeah. Also, a, yeah. one of the uh, few characters that is not an existing uh, B- Batman or D- DC Comics characters, right? Um, nope. Yeah. So, but they- she she got the show before the show knew what what it was. She knew what it was, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Right, I am playing Eartha Kid in the nineteen sixty six Batman, and no one can tell me otherwise." <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, I think. Uh, uh, Penguin is pretty good in the first season. I'd say he's the the for me was the the best character uh, along with Fish Mooney. Um, there's yeah, I mean there's a lot of annoying uh, alongside that to get through, but I'd say give it a go. Okay, and even the pilot has some good moments. I mean, David Mazuz as Bruce Wayne has been incredible since the pilot. Little Bruce Wayne could have been a disaster, but they found this amazing, talented kid. And even in the first episode, he's giving such an incredible performance as Bruce Wayne. Um, there's that, and then there's the moment at the end of the pilot where 
you, you can see the show Gotham could have become. It could have become a more serious show. James Gordon is, is at the end of the pilot, is given an opportunity to murder the Penguin. And, you know, it's not really a spoiler since, you know, everyone knows the Penguin lives to be in the comics, <laughs> to say that Gordon spares his life. And the show immediately shows you how that is a catastrophically bad decision that is going to hurt dozens and dozens and dozens of people going forward. And it argues that if James Gordon had d- dirtied his hands and committed murder, everything would have been better, which is a nicely recurring theme through this throughout this, this series. Gordon keeps doing what he thinks is the right thing, and it is always, in the grand scheme of things, the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so even from the pilot, there's some good stuff, but... Yeah, it, it's not till the blind fortune teller that things really start mm-hmm. getting fun. I was just going to say, I like uh, Selena Kyle um, as well. Um, I think, I mean, the, 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 her character changes and grows quite a bit throughout the show, but I, I kind of liked her from the start as well. She didn't really click for me until they started playing her off against David Mazuz. And yes. then those two actors yeah. have such a great chemistry that then she really, she, I, I really got why she was there and, and why it was good to have that particular actress. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty, I'll pretty much show up for anything with uh, Donald Logue. So seeing him as Harvey Bullock, I think is, is solid casting. Uh, I like seeing him. He's, you know, he's definitely kind of a secondary character. Um, uh, Sean Pertwee as, as this version of Alfred is a much more kind of rough and tumble, um, you know, a sort of military, military trained badass butler. Yes. He's not, he's, he's great. Yeah. He's not the, uh, Say the the uh, um, Batman the animated series the Shakespearean actor um, Alfred uh, so much as the like you know I have combat me- combat medic training and I'm really good with a gun Alfred uh, he's pretty good uh, so I, so I enjoy them uh, even I think even early on when the episodes were not very good I liked seeing those pe- those uh, versions of the characters even if some of the stories were not uh, particularly compelling. Um, so I think it's time to uh, to sound the spoiler warning. Uh, if at this point you know you you're ready to hear spoilers for uh, Batman uh, uh, for uh, Gotham uh, here on Batman University, um, don't use the word bot- Batman and Gotham interchangeably, Tony. Um, proceed, otherwise you're going to possibly get spoiled for some major uh, plot points in a uh, a show that has some very weird twists and turns that you may not wish to have spoiled for you. Uh, let's dive in. Let's talk about. So you mentioned uh, the fortune teller. Uh, can you remind yeah. us what what happens in that episode? Since that's about you know like four years ago for people. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that that's basically the they are uh, trying to solve the mystery of uh, who killed uh, a woman at the circus, and one of the characters is Jerome Valeska, mm-hmm. um, who is this sort of very quiet, soft spoken. Uh, sympathetic character, and 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 we'll be in the, you know the, the people who are making Gotham will have to release about forty five press releases saying is definitely not the Joker. <laughs> well, well, so the the moment that got me is like he he's confronted uh, by Gordon, and you know says and Gordon says you know why did you do it? Why did you kill her? And he kind of keeps up the act for a little bit until it's revealed that um, his co-conspirator is in fact his father, blah, blah, blah. Um, but his face just completely shifts and he puts on this smile and instantly it's a very recognizable Joker smile. And I thought, okay, 
you got me, you tricked me. And then he just launches into this very Joker-esque monologue. And you're like, right, okay, I am completely on board. I don't know who this actor is. I've never seen him before in anything else. But it's as if he was, you know, surgically altered to have a smile that resembled the Jokers because he does it so well. Um, and yeah, that was, he, he, he goes away at the end of this and doesn't come back until, uh, the start of season two. But I think, I don't know if it was in reaction to how well he did for this episode that they sort of scrambled or whether this was planned all along. But for me, that was the moment where the show completely got me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cameron Monaghan is the actor and, and his performance as the various, pseudo jokers because there are more than one yep. you know <laughs> so J- jerome valeska gets killed comes back to life as, gets as you his do face gets staples his face is, cut off staples, staples his face, his face back. back on yes yeah. which is a, a, a reference to something joker does in the comics which is also uh, he's actually more gruesome in the comics but it's very gruesome yeah. in, in every version yes <laughs> Falls off a building, finally actually dies, but then it turns out, wait, he has a twin brother, also played by Cameron Monaghan, in a completely different performance, who then becomes another version of the Joker in a completely different way from, from the I Jerome mean, character. We missed out the like the thousands of Joker copycats that get inspired by mm. Jerome. Yes. <sighs> Which are less interesting because they're yes, not... Le- less we- interesting, but they kept saying throughout the thing, oh, well, Jerome's not the joker or and it's like well you know that's true but you've now realized this actor is absolutely perfect for playing the joker so it is it is technically true but also please just stop saying that (laughs) but technically true so we will create him an previously unknown complete twin brother Mm. so that the actor can play the character uh, of the Joker, but still not called the Joker. Yeah. I, he is I, the – we are legally not allowed by Warner Brothers movies to call him the Joker. But let's face it, folks, he has white skin and a red mouth and green hair. So you draw, draw your own conclusions. And he yeah, sure loves jokes. <laughs> and also like the, the, this, the, the teaser trailer for the next season like has him precariously above a vat of chemicals. Um. But wait, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, that's so dumb because his skin has already been altered by chemicals. What What are you doing, Gotham? <laughs> this is part want. of the joys of watching this mm. show. If, if you've never seen it, you have to imagine that someone was told to make a show about Batman, except not with Batman. And the only Batman they'd ever been exposed to in you know, out of all the Batman out there was the 1966 Adam West series and the 1989 Tim Burton series uh, movie. And they just smashed those together into some weird campy nightmare hybrid. And yet it somehow works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and also you can do all that, but you can't have Batman in it. Yes. <laughs> But you can have a 15-year-old boy in a black armored suit running across the rooftops beating up criminals. But not too much. Just a little just bit. Just a little bit. He, a he, he doesn't have ears, so he's not Batman. Yeah, the, the key is that no ears. So he's just, he just, he's just a mask guy. Mask guy. So, you know, they can't call him Black Mask because that, there's namespace pollution there. But uh. And also they had Black Mask on the show. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes, no. Th- this show has so much crazy that you will forget things. Mm. I, I thought that Fish Mooney was... 
was leading a fight club in an underground organ harvesting ring on a mysterious island run by Jeffrey Combs, and like sometime in the second season. But nope, that's that's before the end of the first season. Yes, go. Yeah, she's, where, she's where she sees a lot of stuff. <laughs> where she remember gouges her own eye out with a spoon to make a point. Right, and then has has heterochromic eyes for the rest mm-hmm. of the series. I was trying yeah. to think of some of the the. I mean, many characters have very strange uh, plot arcs uh, throughout. I mean, we've just mentioned the Joker, or sorry, not Joker, not Joker, Jerome uh, being dead and coming back and having an upside down face and whatnot. Um, there's also, uh, you know, I think Butch has a very interesting life story at this point. Oh, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that this does is it takes non-canon characters or other characters who then suddenly end up being mm-hmm. the traditional Batman villains. So yeah, we have Butch becoming Solomon Grundy for, you know, a season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, the, the one that gets me is Barbara, who was the the most boring character in season one and possibly the best character aside from Jerome in season two. Um, She's so good. I mean, she she loses her mind after being forced to murder her parents or yeah, forced is maybe not the strongest word. Forced because she was kind of into it. She, she, she was, was encouraged from the jump. Yeah, but but then she goes um, completely off the rails and sort of seemed to be on track to become Harley Quinn to Jerome's Joker. And, you know, I should say that um, I've had a long-running ill-defined bet with Dan Moran about this. <laughs> Which is the best co- best way to do a bet, is have no parameters really nailed down. Yeah, yes. I, mean, I mean, he probably claims there are parameters, but... You know, I think we started out saying, you know, my, the bet was I said that Barbara was going to become Harley Quinn. And she kind of did for a little bit after she died for the first time. <laughs> um, and, you know, that they seem to have, I mean, she, go, she gets, uh, she gets electrocuted and she goes a bit crazy. Her, and her accent goes a bit more sort of, um, I don't know, uh, New Yorkish, whatever, um, uh, Harley's accent is. And uh, then they backed away from that. And it now seems we have another candidate for Harley for next season. So I'm just mutating the bet to uh, fit the the available storyline. Barbara uh, becomes this kind of Gotham City siren figure uh, running underworld and, and doing a bit of murder. I mean, she's settled down a bit, I think, uh, of late and she's become slightly more of a sympathetic character again. Uh, but they, they turned her around completely and the, and the actress, uh, completely went for it. Yes. Gotham very much exists in a world where, uh, you're apparently like, like one bad day away from running a criminal enterprise. So quite successfully, potentially, depending on your abilities. So, um, Or at least yeah. a nightclub or two. Yes. It, well, know. at least, a, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, she starts out in season one as the girlfriend who frets about James Gordon. And the only remotely interesting thing about her as she sits in her elaborate apartment fretting about James Gordon, which is I'm sure the actress loved playing that. Uh, the only remotely interesting thing about her is that she's bisexual and she had an affair with the show's thuddingly uninteresting version of Renee Montoya at one part in the past. So that's season one. By season four, she's running the League of Assassins as the heir to Rachel Ghoul, and she's <laughs> awesome. Yes. This, uh, 
I, I love how crazy for, for a show that's supposed to be all about setting up, you know, the Batman mythos that we know. I love how crazy the show is willing to go with the characters. I never thought I would watch a show that had a long running story arc about how the penguin was in unrequited love with the Riddler and make you actually care about it. Yes. That's one of my favorite arcs. Yeah. It, I, you, you feel so much for this weird little homicidal maniac <laughs> with his sad little unrequited crush on the Riddler. That's the beauty of the show. I, this show could have been really bad if it had been like a bad Ryan Murphy show where you can tell that the writers have obvious contempt for the characters and don't care about them. But Gotham really cares about these weird, messed up people. And it tries to keep, even as they mutate, sometimes literally, it tries to give them consistent <laughs> characterizations. And it, it has real affection for all of them. And that, I think, makes the show work when it could have just spun right off the rails. And I think uh, with Ed, you know, the the actor, Corey Michael Smith, he does really well when he has his sort of, uh, again, psychotic break after kind of accidentally murdering the object of his affections slash stalking. And, uh, but he plays both Ed and the Riddler having conversations with each other. And, and I think he does it really well, even if it's the kind of, you know, one of them wears glasses and one of them doesn't. You can always tell who's who. Um, and yeah, so they start to, I think, come into their own as characters. And I think the main thing about Gotham, even when the storylines are, are, you know, maybe not the best ones, it's the way the characters play off each other, I think, is the main draw for me. So I think that the episode that made me feel like, oh, maybe this maybe this show is going somewhere or could do some interesting things. Uh, I guess I, I was very hesitant about Joker stuff because and they, they, they won me over, but they were so kind of weird about is will the Joker be on the show or not? How how much are we allowed to wink at the camera about this? Uh, that uh, maybe episode 16 didn't click for me as much as it did for the two of you. But episode 17 uh, is called The Red Hood. And it's this kind of weird off format episode uh, because it's basically about a series of various uh, hoodlums in in Gotham who uh, stumble upon a red mask that seems to give the wearer, I mean, maybe not just amazing luck, right? Um, and people and the various hoodlums are like stealing it from each other, and and they they, they it, it 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 kind of hints at the idea that like I don't know maybe there Gotham is a very weird place and there is some strange energy to it and maybe there are some things that are just completely uh, unexplainable and I like that as kind of more of a a slice of life of how weird and and messed up the the city of Gotham is compared to origin stories of characters I've already you know <laughs> I've I've seen stories of for thirty years and don't need super need to see the uh, the teenager version of them uh, so that that one sticks with me. The the thing that got me, and it's like, so Jerome uh, gets uh, stabbed uh, by, I think, Theo Gallivan mm -hmm. and dies. And I was like, oh, well, that, that's a shame because I thought he was really good. But the show starts bringing people back to life. Just left and uh, right. <laughs> and I, I tried to come up with a list. So there's Jerome Lee, Barbara Ed, Butch Fish, Ra's al Ghul, Theo Gallivan, Headhunter, possibly. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's just like this big list of people. And it's like, so if anybody dies at this point, it's like, well, you know, there's probably a Lazarus Pit somewhere. Yeah. Between Lazarus Pits and, uh, and whatever uh, Hugo Strange needs to put together, it's, uh, yeah, death is just an, a temporary inconvenience. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, can we talk for a second about Headhunter? Please um, do. A, a Just to, to clarify for people who, who maybe have been watching but not watching closely, a very minor character in the show Gotham yeah, but who steals we a have lot of the, scenes. The true dynamic duo of Victor Zaz and Headhunter. Yes. So in the comics, Victor Zaz is just your run-of-the-mill, scar-covered, terrifying, psychotic serial killer. In this show, they cast a guy named, I think, Anthony Carrington to play Zaz, and then they quickly realized that Anthony Carrington was incredibly funny. And so, as, as is a pattern with this show, they leaned into what was working. And so, and now, anytime Victor Zaz shows up, he's still a terrifying homicidal maniac, but he is hilarious. And then they pair him up with a character called Headhunter. I cannot remember the actor's name to my shame, but he only has like a handful of credits before Gotham, but he swaggers onto the show like... Billy D. Williams in a Colt 45 malt liquor ad, just grinning and really happy to be there, really happy to be a bloodthirsty mercenary. And he has appeared in only two episodes, but really, he's so great that I wonder why that they really are committed to the prequel thing in the show. If the show is all about a swaggering bounty hunter named Headhunter, and yet he only appears in a couple of episodes in the fourth season. Uh, I, I admire their commitment to the concept. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I guess we'll, we'll, we can talk about what our hopes and dreams are for the last few episodes, but I, I can imagine for both of you, you you'd like to see more Headhunter. Uh, yeah. Always. In some form. I mean, I mean the, there's so many like moments that... Um, I mean, I, I really like uh, the uh, Selena Kyle and Tabitha Galavan, their sort of interaction, where, she's, where Tabitha's a kind of big cat mentor, obviously... Teaching Selena Kyle the ways of the the, the cat women, <laughs> um, and you know she Tabitha's a f- you know running around with a whip in sort of black leather for a lot of the time. It's like she's kind of Michelle Pfeiffery um, in, in this. Uh, I like the. You know, and any scene that's got B.D. Wong as Hugo Strange because he's just brilliant at the role, and it took me such a long time to kind of actually figure out that he was the same character or same actor, sorry, that I was simultaneously watching um, in uh, Mr. Robot. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait, these are the same people. Um, and, you know, Alexander Siddick as Razal Ghul mm-hmm. is so good. You know, oh, his, de- man. his delivery of the word ouch when he gets yes. stabbed by Barbara. Mm-hmm. That's a, a, a wonderful moment. Um, Maybe the best line delivery in the entire <laughs> series. Maybe yeah. the best delivery line delivery in all of television. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the penguin curing Butch, spending like a season getting the money together to cure Butch only to kill him like five minutes later in front of Tabitha because she had killed his mother and he never forgets. And uh, yeah, there's lots of little, little scenes like that. I was trying to go back through the seasons and remember all these things and just lots of good moments. Yeah. Oh, um, Headhunter is played by a guy named Kyle Vincent Terry, who's only he's been on like one episode of Bull, one episode of Smilf and one episode of Elementary. But Casting directors, you are missing out if you are not casting Kyle Vincent Terry because that man is a star. <laughs> so I, I wanted to talk about things I didn't like. Okay, I'm ready. I've got. I, I think yes. I got a list. Um, James, so, start us off. Okay, the thing that rubbed me the most the wrong way was the treatment of Ivy. Uh, that was top of my list. Yep. Oh. So, so we have her as a kind of 
young uh, girl who kind of looks up to Selena and she's kind of a bit, um, you know, weak, but, you know, it seems to be a nice sort or whatever. And then for some reason they decide, no, we're going to, we're going to sex this character up and we're going to age, keep her still being like 13 or 14. But now she looks in her early mid twenties or something. Um, and then, oh wait, no, that didn't go far enough. Let's change her again and change her f- into another actress. And, and then not have her appear again for the rest of the season. Oh, no. I think she's coming back in, in the oh, fifth I, I, season. Oh, no, no. I'm sure she is. But she just kind of like – they didn't – like they changed her twice and then failed to do anything with her really yeah. both of those times. And the, Well, the problem is – the this, so the second Ivy, um, Maggie Geha – is is wonderful. She's a tremendously funny actress, and 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 they. I think they felt like they had to change her again just because they couldn't have Poison Ivy be funny and likable. They had to have her be <laughs> sexy mm. and mysterious. But then they bring in Peyton List, and you know Peyton List is fine. I've seen her in a bunch of stuff. She does the oh, I'm a cold blooded sexy killer, but she's nowhere near as interesting as the kind of sympathy and humanity that and, and the wonderful comic timing that Maggie Geha brought to the role. It was like. Dude, it's not your fault that you wanted her to be sexy, and then it also turned out that in addition to being good-looking, she was talented and funny. Don't punish her, and don't punish us for the fact that you didn't see that. And and also, the character is still 13 or whatever, like, emotionally. And so then having her become this femme fatale, it just... Yeah, that's the thing that bothered me the most. Yeah. But I have other things. <laughs> Can I talk about um, about uh, Renee Montoya and um, Crispus Allen? Yeah, they, we yeah. this is our wasted characters segment now. <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, so in the comics, Crispus Allen is basically Frank Pembleton from the TV series mm-hmm. Homicide: Life on the Street, and Frank Pembleton in Gotham is awesome. In Gotham, Crispus Allen is a guy who just shows up and says a few things. And yeah, you you take two of the best characters in the comics. You take Renee Montoya, you know, one of the first lesbian superheroes that DC Comics had, and you make her like just a throughish shred to James Gordon. It was so insulting, and the character was so badly underused. And those two characters, the only two honest cops in Gotham other than James Gordon, that could have been awesome. But they nope, they just yep. wander out of the show at the end of season one and never come back. Especially frustrating because when I heard about this show, Batman without Batman, as they were, as it was more or less pitched, the the show I kind of wanted, which is very much not this show, was was going to be a TV adaptation of Gotham Central, that which is the comic series that basically is Batman without Batman. It's a police procedural that happens to be set in Gotham. Uh, it's written by Ed Brubaker and Greg Rocca. It's really great. It was pretty short lived, uh, and basically follows what is it like to be a, a a cop or detective in Gotham where there's all this weird stuff going on and occasionally Batman passes by. Yeah, and you have to close all your cases by sundown or else someone else is going to close them for you and make yeah. you look like an idiot. Yep. Yeah, and uh, also walking out, I think, after about season one was Harvey Dent, who... Oh. I forgot that he was in the show. I was looking at some yeah, race and I was like, he's what? Been in more, he, he's been in more episodes than Jerome has. 
but all towards the beginning. And it's just, yeah, that was another one. It's like, ah, we don't know what we're doing with this, so we'll just forget mm-hmm. it completely. Yeah, it's like, here's Harvey Dent. He's a crusading DA, except in one scene, he snaps and starts screaming how he's going to murder somebody, but then he's fine again, and then we're never going to do anything with him for mm-hmm. the rest of the series. Yeah, maybe have him hold a coin once. Mm. Um, yeah, the the I didn't like edgy teen ass Bruce, and that went on far too long. I know he had to do it, but it was it just it was like um, Spider Man Three. It yes, was just, it really was. <laughs> it it did go on a while, but I liked it because one, you kind of got to see the the birth of the Bruce Wayne persona. And it was interesting to see that begin as something genuine rather than a put on. And two, I liked that they showed this kid who's had a ton of trauma and has never really processed it, trying at least to process his trauma, even in a really unhealthy way. Yeah. Plus, edgy, edgy teen jerk Bruce did lead to that great episode where he's been poisoned by poison ivy and he has all those fantastic hallucinations, including one in which for the first and apparently only time in the series, Jim Gordon wears a mustache. <laughs> Yeah, it was that also the one where there's literally a, a silhouette of Batman that he talks yes. to. Yes. 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 Played by um, a random stuntman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I was going to say some things I don't like um, or don't do not care for. Uh, I will say the uh, a lot of the mob stuff uh, kind of just does not stick with me. There's a lot early on of, of mob fighting, infighting, and whatnot. Uh, thankfully, we we get Butch out of that, so that's that's the kind of the thing you get to take away from that. Uh, I do not particularly care. Some of the depictions of uh, Batman villains just aren't aren't great. I don't really like this version of Mad Hatter. That was on my list. I hated that whole storyline. And the version of of uh, Mister Freeze is uh, meh, uh, and I I like Mister Freeze a lot. So it's sad that he is meh. Uh, and then I will say, uh, you know, he, I was familiar with him from the comics. Uh, I do not care for Professor Pig and did not to see, need to see him adapted uh, for TV. Uh, oh, come on. Come on. I liked him and I liked him partially because he's one of the observers, played by one of the observers from Fringe. Um, but I, I, I thought his characterization was, characterization was good. It may um, be it may be very thematically fitting for the show. Also, I just I guess I just don't care for that character. It, it was lame how they revealed in the end that that wasn't actually Professor Pig. It was just a weird Southern yeah. accented hitman. But up until then, I mean, come on, he has a whole episode where they they do a riff on Chicago's cell block tango with the names of homeless murder victims who are baked into meat pies, and then yep. he and Jim Gordon have a meat cleaver fight on top of a banquet table. I, I like that one. So. Wasn't that was singing as well? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I, um, he was. A, I guess. I, I think it may have been the quantity uh, more than the quality, of Professor the, Pig, Pig, that I took the, objection to, because uh, he was a pretty substantial kind of uh, uh, ongoing adversary for multiple episodes that they were investigating, and it was like mm, I could have done with like three episodes of Professor Pig, and we got a lot of Professor Pig. Uh-huh. For Matt Hatter, I would have said the same thing. I expected that yeah. to be a two or three episode thing, and he just kept coming back and back. And it's mm-hmm. like, we get it, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, Matt Hatter is an oily uh, MRA pickup artist, mm-hmm. was pretty gross. And then just the weirdness of having his sister have a virus in her blood that makes people go insane. Oh, and then having Leslie Tompkins inject herself – a. Leslie Tompkins, a medical doctor, knowingly injects herself with a rage virus because 
she feels sad. She she makes a lot of interesting choices. That one did not feel like a very believable choice. (laughs) I mean, I think that was the start of her character being more interesting, frankly. Um, When she went through her dark phase and then ended up running like the... um, the narrows. I, I liked I liked all that, but I just the motivation for her, a medical doctor, to be like, "Yep, I will inject myself with a deadly rage virus because I'm mad at my boyfriend." <laughs> no, uh, and Sophia Falcone, um, Crystal Reed is a wonderful actress. I really enjoyed her work on Teen Wolf, and I felt like Sophia Falcone was just underused. Now, if they if they had they they made they took care to say that even though she had been shot point blank in the head, she was still alive and just you know in a coma. But apparently, they're not planning to bring her back at all. And if they had brought her back in some weirder, more demented form, I would have been okay with it. But as it is, having you know the the Machiavellian daughter of a mob boss turn out to be a conniving evil mastermind, it didn't work for me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I was trying to remember how many people are currently dead um going into the next season and it's like we had oh i mean we haven't even talked about how uh uh ed and lee fall in love in quotes love don't know um she doesn't love him she's she might she might want to get with him but she doesn't love him but um when they have their kind of like she knows he's going to betray her he knows she's going to betray him so they both stab each other possibly to death but then they their bodies get delivered is it to um to Hugo Strange. Yes, yeah. to Hugo Strange. Yes. And he looks at them kind of like, hmm, well, I could fix one of them. Mm. And I, I'm wondering if we're going to get them turning up with their brains swapped or oh, something gosh. in the next. Because that would be fun. You know, it's like now the Riddler is Lee. Um, that That's my prediction for, for them both being on a slab next to each other as some kind of personality swap. So uh, let's let's segue into we've got season five uh, drops very soon. In fact, depending on when I get this edited, it, the first episode may be available or will be available very soon. Uh, How foolish we will look with our predictions! Yes. Uh, they do they do the thing in Gotham where each uh, season has like a name. Um, I guess did the first one have it? I think the second no. one was like Rise of Villains. And then there Wrath was like, of the Villains. Yeah, Rise of Villains, and then Wrath of Villains, Mad City, Heroes Rise, uh, Dark Knight, and then this is Legend of the Dark Knight. Hmm. Um, and we only get 12 episodes left. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, the list of some of those uh, episode names right now, which are interesting, and some of them are somewhat spoilery, um, or at least have lots of suggestions of spoileries. Uh, what are we hoping for in our last oh. 12 episodes of, uh, of Gotham? So, so, like, in the last minute or something of the last episode, they, like, throw in three new villains just seen um, briefly, and I can't even remember who they are now. Um and I, it seems like it's going to be quite packed. You know, they, like they, the, the whole thing is that they blow the, the, all the bridges in and out of Gotham. And that means, of course, nobody can go in and out of Gotham at all. So it is, uh, a playground for the, for the villains who all seem to have taken little sections, very much like the Arkham video games. Um, and at some point in the season, we're, I don't know if it's towards the beginning or the end. We're getting a 10-year time jump as well. Um, it seems like they've got an awful lot to do. I mean, I'm glad that they've got this extra half season to kind of wrap it up. But I would have liked 
um, it to go on long enough for Bruce to look old enough to be Batman. Which is challenging liked- without recasting, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I'm glad that they are not recasting it. Uh, and he is getting taller. <laughs> Certainly, I think he's taller than uh, Gordon at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm concerned just by the amount of stuff that they're going to stuff into 12 episodes. And as you talk about the titles, like one of the titles is like, hmm, can you think of a major Batman villain that we haven't seen yet? Well, let's throw him in like two episodes before the end of the, the whole show. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say real quick, we, we haven't talked about Ben McKenzie as James Gordon, and he basically has a really tough job. He has to play the straight man to all of these loony characters, and he does a very good job, just as he did on the OC. He's got that great knack for underplaying scenes uh, in a really effective way, and, and he doesn't get as much love as I think he deserves for this show. But as far as what I hope for in the final season, I'm not worried that there are only 12 episodes because if you go back and watch previous seasons, Gotham manages to make 12 episodes feel like an entire season of some other show. <laughs> I want to see full-on Kid Batman. Just go for it at this point. You can't get any... It's not like like Gotham could plausibly say, no, 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 this idea is too bonkers and we can't do it. So at this point, just put Bruce in a tiny bat suit and have him <laughs> running around at five foot five or whatever, beating people up. Mm. That's not much shorter than Michael Keaton was. Come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I think anything could happen. Uh, and I, you know, I wouldn't rule anything out. You know, if the if they end the season by forming the Justice League or something, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Brief note of trivia, um, in the early 2000s, the WB had a pilot that they were working on called Bruce Wayne, written by Tim McCanleys. And it was a college-aged Bruce Wayne coming back to Gotham, partnering up with an up-and-coming young DA, his friend Harvey Dent, to try and you know foil mobsters and stop criminals. And that never went anywhere, but they actually ended up turning it into Smallville. <laughs> hmm. It's all connected. Yeah. And so are we going to get the same deal here? That No, I mean, they're not going to do that. Like the last scene of the show is him putting some ears on his little mask. Or yeah, someone, someone did a joke uh, when Gotham first came out. There was a comic strip, and I forget by whom, but it has, you know, it, it plays off the, the final scene of Smallville where Clark finally gets the Superman costume and puts it on and flies off, where someone opens uh, – Gordon is standing on the roof of the police station and someone opens a box and there is his mustache and Gordon puts off <laughs> on his mustache and then flies away into the air. That could happen in this show, plausibly. So, you know, you never know. We we have to mention this is a show in which Alfred Pennyworth punches a 13-year-old girl in the face, full on, without warning. It's a full on sucker punch to a 13-year-old girl. I mean, he also punches Bruce in the face quite a bit as well. He, he oh, definitely yeah. likes punching things. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the thing, the, the thing that bothers me about, well, not bothers me about this show. What makes me sad about this show is that it's completely self-contained and it's not, it, it's unlikely that we're going to see any of these actors turning up in like, say, the CW shows or something like that. And in fact, some of the actors have turned up playing other parts in the CW shows, somewhat confusingly. Uh, yeah, yeah, Anthony Carrington played a, a mist-based villain yes. in the first season of The Flash. Yeah. yeah, when when they did the Elseworlds crossover recently, I was dying, dying for them to just hop out of some dimension and, and there's Bruce and Alfred from Gotham. But mm. no. Yeah. 
And but we've already got there's an, there's another Alfred show in production with a completely different actor as well. And there's also I mean they want to, there to be a Batwoman show also, which seems to take place in a totally different Gotham also. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean we we visited Gotham in the Elseworlds thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I mean it was. I mean, yeah, the the Alfred show, I don't understand. It's like, you know, although there was too much Batman in that last show, so let's just remove everything. Well, if they do it like like the 1960s Avengers series with like a kind of surreal spy-fi swinging London, I could be into it. But yeah, otherwise... But what we what we might end up with is the movie adaptation of the Avengers. Um, yeah. Which you don't, oh, yeah. Nobody, nobody wants that, or very few people want that. Um, yeah. Still, yeah, somebody in a giant bear suit. Um, it, so, the, 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 you know, they're getting their, they're getting their half season uh, to, to sort of wrap things up. And I hope it, they, I hope they don't leave it on a massive cliffhanger and just leave it on a nice, well, you know, now I'm Batman, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm going to do all the bat things. Yes. I have a, I've avoided looking at too many uh, trailers or spoilers for the season because I, I I don't like to do that. I like to see them stuff as it happens. Uh, the, I, I am looking at the Wikipedia list of episodes, which I'm not going to. There are some there's some names of characters in the uh, episode names which might give away some things in terms of characters you haven't seen yet. Uh, but yeah. I, I will mention the first episode of the, this final season is named Year Zero, uh, which is an, an arc of the comics from not too far back that is kind of. Uh, a Batman origin story. So in year zero, uh, I forget the exact context, but similar to in Gotham where the bridges have been exploded, uh, the idea is that Riddler has taken over the city and like there's no power and utilities and like uh, plant life and wildlife is reclaiming Gotham much more quickly than I think actually would happen. I don't know. Maybe there's supernatural things going on there. And, and Riddler is harassing this this uh, city by you know basically running a game show every day where people have to answer trivia questions, and uh, Batman I think has been presumed dead and it has to like piece together his armor and doesn't have access to his Batcave and kind of gets things together and uh, and has his first kind of like I guess successful mission as Batman. So maybe we'll see. I don't know. or maybe maybe the only connection here is bridges have been blown up, uh, but maybe we'll see a little bit more Batman in uh, in the year zero episode Uh, i do like i mean as someone who's read a lot of batman comics recently it is interesting and nice that they're willing to uh pull from the uh the recent things you know the court of owls is a relatively recent uh arc in the batman comics i'm saying recent in terms of like last 20 years instead of last 40 Hmm. years um the you know kind of i I consider it somewhat unfortunate joker removing his face and then getting his face back is a thing from recent comics professor pig is relatively recent uh and year zero is pretty recent so i appreciate that they're willing to kind of mine all of the various Batman stuff and not just the characters that everyone's familiar with because they were also in the sixties the show or, or, or such. So. I, mean, I, I imagine that what we're going to get is all the, all the characters, all, all the villains as well, basically becoming their true selves, mm. you know, so w- they already, <laughs> no, I don't think they have, because I mean, like if you look at Selena Kyle, one more time, <laughs> yeah, Selena Kyle is going to go full on she's probably going to fall off a building and be surrounded by cats or whatever i Didn't think she, she is- already do that though <laughs> Well, maybe more cats. I don't know. <laughs> I've, I've seen I've seen some glimpses from the trailer, which suggests that they are going to go someplace roughly that insane with Selena. Yeah, and and I I think all the other characters, you know, I mean, yes, I w- think you could argue that the Riddler is the Riddler, but 
you know, they're just going to turn everything up to 11 and uh, possibly everybody's going to start to resemble the, the characters from the, the, the 60s Batman show or who knows. Uh, I, think, I think turn it up to 11 is the, the way for this show to go. I think when this show hit its stride was when it realized that this show is a train wreck and that just, and just keep pouring gasoline on that train and set that train on fire and everything's <laughs> going to be great. So. I, I think at this point... To, to get to 11, they would have to actually turn the knob down. Yeah. I think and they're at about a 15. Um, so. Yes. Um, I, I think they that has actually been a successful strategy for them. And, you know, they may have sort of got to the point of where do we go from here? Uh, how, how much more crazier could it be? Um, but I, I, I have hope. Uh, and as I say, this is probably one of my favorite, uh, like, visualizations of Batman, even though it doesn't have Batman in it. Uh, yeah, which they, is- they do an amazing job making New York City look like Gotham, crowded and dirty and feverishly weird. <laughs> Confu- confusing cell phone and car technology available. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, I, 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 I wish this could have got another, like two three seasons so that they could like do things slower but you know um i don't think the ratings were particularly great for this show i think they Um, were at times uh initially they were very good yeah dan moran told me at one point this was the highest rated show on fox which boggled my mind because i was like the show is not very good (laughs) so uh they they have they have dwindled over the years as i think is is a pretty standard curve so Um, basically as they made the show better yes fewer people people, (laughs) fewer people wanted to watch it people people like garbage james i don't know if you know that about people <laughs> i mean well well it's james is, is in the uk so he doesn't get to see cbs so yes. otherwise he'd understand mm. <laughs> but um but i think the people like us who were initially skeptical based on season one are, are now in a position where we're feverishly trying to record podcasts about this show and make people listen watch it because uh we think it's brilliant it really is it is it is like nothing else you're ever going to see it is gloriously weird. It loves it. It leans into it. But like I said, it really cares about the characters. So if you get invested in the characters, the show is going to reward you for that rather than making you feel stupid. I don't know how much more we can say uh, in endorsement of this show that people may or may not care about than, than that. Uh, you know, I think this is – I'm okay with it ending where it's ending. I think not every TV show needs seven seasons. I'd rather it go out on a, an explosion of weirdness than a, a slow trickle as they run out of ideas. So I'm looking forward to these last 12 episodes. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll chat about the, the show after those air. Uh, but I think we've, uh, we've covered what we needed to cover. Is there anything else we need to say about, about Gotham, uh, James or Nathan? Headhunter prequel series. Make it happen. <laughs> um, I want the uh, – I'm trying to think. The the show where Selena is four and first encounters a cat. Uh. <laughs> okay. Well, I think this uh, this closes the books on another episode of Batman University. Uh, thank you so much to my guests for, uh, for joining us here. Uh, James Thompson, thank you for coming. A pleasure. I look forward to talking about this again. And Nathan Alderman, thanks for returning. Thank you for letting me ramble like a crazy person. Uh, They're taking me back to my cell in Arkham now. Anytime. Anytime.